welcome to the 209th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today, we are recording on December 4th, 2020. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and 50% of this here show with me is the man of champagne wishes and caviar dreams, Carlos Rodella. And I wish I was on that show. That's the show where all the rich people are on it, right? Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, hosted by Robin Leach Robin back in the Leach. 80s. Man. Yeah, and we know that because we're old. We are old. That is why we know that. Man, that show would so not fly these days, you know? Because it was just rich people showing off their shit. I know. It was rich people cribs. Yeah, totally. And it was just like ridiculous, ostentatious, excess. I, 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 I feel that the audience for that would be significantly more limited these days. You know what? You say that, but there's a ton of YouTube people that do the same type of thing. Really? So, yeah, there's definitely like a place for it on the internet. I guess. I guess. But, well, that show is over and done with and not on the air. And probably most of the people listening to our podcast right now have literally no fucking idea what we're talking about because they are not as old as we are. No. And also, though, what I mean that there's a lot of YouTuber celebrities, right? And they're like, check out my new things that I just got. So I think that's the new version. That's the 2020 version is like, I don't have a, a mansion. I'm not like this weird French painter who has like <laughs> a, two mansions and like a million cars. But I also am like this badass YouTuber and check out all my cars and check out my new things. I'm looking forward to a time when we can kind of, you know, move past as a society, past material wealth and gain and conspicuous consumption. I think we've, We've had that drilled into us for a long time in this country, and I think that ultimately it's a really negative, corrosive thing. Hopefully sometime. I don't know if in my lifetime, but uh, hopefully we'll be able to move past that as a culture. Oh, totally. There's a, a documentary called Generation Wealth. Have you seen that? Uh, no, no, I haven't. Is it on Netflix? Check it out. I'm not sure where it is. I saw it probably in, I don't know where I saw it, maybe in the theater back in the day um, when you went to those places. But a what? It's, I don't even know what you're talking about. It's a movie theater. Uh, I'll have yeah. to Google it, dude. Sorry. You can Google it or like um, Netscape it or Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, it's about, uh, it's kind of about what you're talking about. Yeah, this kind of excessive wealth and it's it's bullshit. I agree. It's total horse shit. But yeah. anyway. Something about money just makes people get fucking wacky and we need less of that in our country right now. Anyway. Let's not go off on that tangent. We've got a lot of other stuff to talk about. A lot of stuff to talk about on the show. Before we dive right into the meat of games discussion, I think it's probably time to do a little Keep in the House with Carlos. Keep in the House with Carlos. Which I'll never do a theme song for because it's too much work. It's too much money, too. I mean, we can probably, maybe we can get somebody to like donate some musical talent or something to the show. Ooh, you, someone maybe there's please. a listener. Yeah, if there's a listener out there who's musically inclined... Send us a little clip, like a theme song for Keeping the House with Carlos. And if it's cool, maybe we'll use it. Guess what? If it's not cool, we'll still use it. Just Probably so. Probably send, so. Send a Keeping keep the House with Carlos song, and we're using it. Um, there you go. Open request, folks. Hit us up. So the first thing is a little bit um, just just a weird statement from Phil Spencer. Did you hear that? The, his, was was his, it today? No, no, no. It was a few days ago, maybe a week ago. I don't know time anymore. But he, I don't know. What, what, is it, what was it about? He just said, I just want to touch base on it real quick because I had one quick thought on it. It just felt weird because he said um, console tribalism is one of the worst things in our industry. And first off, I would say no. Trolls being fucking awful in the comment section 
that's probably one of the worst things. Um, but it's just a weird statement to make. I'm not sure it's because I don't know if the Xbox is doing as good as the PS5. I just want to throw that out there. I'm just going to throw it out there. I didn't, I'm just saying. And I do know that I love my PS5. And once I get the Series X, I will definitely, you know, want to play both games on both of them. But I don't know if it's because, like, it just seems weird. Like, why would he say that? Like, that's not so, a thing. I don't think to, that's a thing. I, I mean, I don't. I, it's interesting you say this. So just to be clear, Phil Spencer, he used to be at Sony, but he's at Microsoft now, right? Or he's, yeah, head he's of switched. Xbox. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's over. He's the new guy re- renovating. He's the guy who gave xbox one a facelift when it was doing so poorly so he knows about games he knows about what gamers like and stuff so he's somebody who knows his shit i mean he's pretty well liked in the industry it's funny you say that because i've been seeing the fallout from that i've seen a lot of people talk about that comment but i had no idea where it was from or who said it or what triggered it and you know it's like i'm not on twitter 24 7 and i don't keep up with the latest memes and stuff and so sometimes i log into twitter and i see the whole timeline on fire about something and i'm like i have no idea what we're talking about and i'm lost so i just kind of just give up uh, i think that's one of these instances so do you know what triggered him saying that you know just kind of like a little video first off i want to say he's a generally awesome nice guy yeah, like you yeah. know what i mean uh met you know met him i think once or twice uh, through the grapevine or whatever it's just a weird statement because like i don't think people like in the 90s when we grew up there was tribalism when it comes to consoles. It was like, you have the Genesis, fuck you. Like they make commercials about it. Like you don't see commercials like telling Nintendo to go suck a dick. Like they (laughs) did that in the nineties. That was a good commercial. I did enjoy that. It was Nintendo suck a dick. You dummy fucks. Um, Well, that is surprising. ABC ran that. I was very shocked. back. (laughs) It was on CBS in the family hour. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, and now there's not, if anything, people do commercials like our system's great. Isn't it cool? Like ever, you know, it doesn't seem like it's a thing. So it, it was just a weird statement to have. And I feel like why the fallout happened is because yeah, it just doesn't seem like have a place. I just don't understand what it means. Yeah, I'm very curious about that. Cause it does seem kind of random. And recently we have seen the big wigs at the opposing or quote unquote opposing companies. They've all been kind of like, you know, kind of friendly and congratulating themselves. Like I think each the heads of, Microsoft and Sony, I think, both congratulated each other on the launch of their respective boxes and all that kind of stuff. It seemed like there's been kind of a detente lately, but I wonder if something something weird has happened. I don't know. I don't know. Well, by the way, to, to finish up on that point and what my weird sneaking suspicion is, it's just like my little spider senses are rumbling, which is I don't think anything really happened, but I do feel like, I mean, from the people I talk to and uh, I, my own personal experience, I just don't. There's nothing that I need to play on the Xbox, and that's just how it's been for a little while. And obviously, like Halo Infinite, which I was actually going to try out, is is delayed, and and people are saying third-party games are playing better on PS5, like a lot of I them are. I have heard that. I have heard that. So I'm just wondering if it's like a little bit of a shot out there to be like, hey, we're still in it. You know, like everybody's in it together because we're not maybe doing as good as we thought. This is just my... Spiders. I mean, it's it's interesting to think about because we're in the middle of a pandemic still. A lot of people who probably want to buy a console either A, don't have the money to because we are in a really bad economic situation as a country, or B, if you have the money, you probably can't find a console. I can't find one anywhere, dude. I've been looking for either a PS5 or an Xbox uh, X. I can't find either one anywhere. And I see tweets go up. They'll be like, oh... Uh, you know, something, something, some stores got some. And then like, by the time I click the link, like they're sold out. So, yeah. I mean, that's one thing, but I have been hearing also 
you know, some people say, oh, yeah, Xbox just feels like the new Xbox, whereas PS5 feels like something fresh and new. You know, the haptic controllers and uh, whatever else they're doing, all the different stuff, which is fine. But then I'm also hearing, like, a lot of technical problems. Like, I hear a lot of people saying they have problems with the PS5, like it stops, starts, problems with discs. A lot of people, like, uh, having some data corrupted and stuff. So it seems like the bugs are not worked out. And it's, it's like, way too early to say if people are even starting to say that. I mean... For me personally, console exclusives do not really matter that much to me because I end up getting both the consoles anyway. And it's funny because I think lately I just haven't really liked Sony's exclusives that much. Mm. But I don't know. I mean, I guess it's it's there's still a long way to go, man. Like still a long way to go. Yeah. Anyways, I just thought I'd bring it up because it was such a kind of hot topic. But then when I read it, I was like, I don't even understand what it's about. So uh, color me still confused, but I just thought I'd bring it up. Uh, the other bit I was going to mention was uh, a, a listener of the show, John Rogers. I forgot his Twitter name, but he has a he has a podcast called Gaming in the Wild. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. I was just tweeting with him the other day. Yeah. He tweeted originally, I think, after our, one of our last episodes about how, hey, guys, I rec- uh, you know recognize your opinion on the pathless and, you know, accept it, et cetera. But I really liked it. So then I went and listened to his episode of him talking about it. Uh-huh. Uh, first, his voice is very soothing. <laughs> and <laughs> okay, I was like, cool. All right, this is already more like coherent, and <laughs> I can understand what he's saying more than me, right? Like, I must have sounded like a huge fire trash can going like, I don't like the padless. <laughs> when I listen to his podcast, he's like, and the next topic I'd like to talk about is why it's so good in this way. And I'm like, fuck, I got I to quit podcasting. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, besides that and his delivery, he did make a lot of good points, and he just talked so positively about it. I felt like super guilt like the whole time listening to it because we were like, it's just not for us, which yeah. is probably still the case. But a lot of the points he made was very good points. So if you're listening to this podcast, you heard us just basically kind of mini dog on uh, The Pathless. Go listen to Gaming in the Wild by John Rogers. Find it on your podcast platforms and listen to his take. So then you have both of them. That's all I'm saying. Right on, right on. I really want to say something super negative about the Pathless right now, but I'm going to let it go. <laughs> because this is a positive segment about his yes, podcast. So yes, I'm gonna, yes, I'm not going to say it, but uh, I'm thinking it. Okay, let's keep it positive. And also, I am probably going to go back to it after listening to his podcast. Just because... I will never go back to it. Never. Okay, okay. well, then that, that's our positive and negative. I probably will, and you won't. That's fine. Uh, two more things really quickly. One, I'm going through Valhalla. I'm trying to finish... Assassin's Creed Valhalla before Cyberpunk, which is next week, which is next bonkers. Next week. Next week. Bonkers. And but I'm telling you right now that I'll be talking about Cyberpunk on every podcast for a while. Um, secondly, I'm trying to finish Valhalla. There's no walkthrough for the main quest. Now, what I mean by that is there's usually, because it's such an epic game, there's usually at least like, a, hey, do this to do this and do this for the main quest. But every single one I go to on Google doesn't have an ending to the main quest. Do you know what really? I mean? That's interesting. It's been out long enough. I think that some of these people who are professional podcasters or who are like FAQ writers would have already blasted through it and had something up by now. No, I, almost everything I find, even like IGNs, it stops at some point And I think they just refer to like finish the map. But if, if it really is that I have to finish that map before I finish the game, it's going to be a lot longer, man. I've been 50 hours in. It's probably going to go to 70 hours because it's like you have to get your power level up to even go to certain sections. You know, that kind of drill, right? Right, right, right. So the, so the walkthroughs just say 
da 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 and now that you've done this thing, what you need to do is is what, like, you're taking over every territory in the map? Or no, they don't even do- say that. I've, I've done, been doing this research forever. None of them say take over the whole territories, but I just, like, assumed that's what I had to do, and so I started doing that. But, like, I had done all the quests in all of the main quest walkthroughs, and, I, and the game wasn't over. And I was like, well, well, what the fuck? I guess my question being... You know, usually Ubisoft, I feel... I mean, I'm not the, the, the expert in Ubisoft games because so I'm not their biggest fan, but it seems like usually there's a pretty clear quest marker. I mean, I've played through some of their games, and it's usually pretty clear about go do this thing, and this is the final quest. Dude. What happens on your, your quest log? It just says, what, go explore or something? Or what Dude, does it say? it's so weird because when you finish a quest, you do a whole, there's like a whole quest line in a section. So, like, you go to a, a section of the map, you're doing, like, a long five-story chapters, right? You finish the story chapters, you go back to the war table where you can like look at all the different sections of the map. Yeah. And then you talk to the lady and, sh- and you're like, you just look at a new area and it says a power level on it. But if you didn't talk to her and you, and you finished the five story act in one area and just walked around, no, nothing would pop up. Nothing would be like, oh, you better do this next. It's just like, it doesn't say anything. Unless you go to the map and then you just pick an area and go, okay, I'm going to go into this one. And then the story plays out through those sections. But it just seems crazy to me because I thought there'd be like what I want them there to be is a 40-hour campaign, more of a straight-line mission, and then all those places on the map can be like optional. But right now it seems like I have to finish every section of the map, which is weird. I don't know if I'll do it before Cyberpunk because it's too much. It's funny you say Well, I mean, number one, that sounds strange, and I have not started Valhalla yet, so I can't say either way. In fact, I haven't started Odyssey yet, and I... <laughs> I'm way behind on my Ubisoft open world games, uh, maybe after I retire or something. Interestingly, I think I might, if I had to pick one right now, if Cyberpunk wasn't coming next week, I probably would pick Immortal uh, Phoenix Rising because of the Greek theme. And I've heard it's pretty, got a funny script, and it's kind of lighthearted, and that's kind of more where I'm at right now. But I'm not going to start any of those because, like you said, Cyberpunk is coming next week. But I will, let's talk about that for just one second, right? So, like, Cyberpunk has been delayed uh, a couple times now. And I know they said they weren't going to delay it anymore. It's at the time that we're recording. I think uh, we have maybe six more days until it comes out. So basically a week. And you know, like in the reviewosphere, which is where I spend most of my time, basically no one I know has a review code. And word has come out from the bigger sites. I think it's like an IGN or like you know those type of like you know the biggest sites out there. I think like those people have had code for a while, probably most likely on PC. Um, but, you know, the early word is this game is, like, easily 100 hours long, maybe 150, maybe even more, right? And so I remember CD Projekt Red saying, we're going to get this out. We're going to have reviewers playing this. We want you guys to really experience what we're going to do. This is going to be amazing, which I was on board with. And it is now, now the word from PR, which I just got this morning, is that we shouldn't expect review code likely until day of release or maybe, like, one day before release. So it's like... Uh, if this game is 100 hours long and it's this major thing that you want us to take time with and really examine and, and, and get sunk into, how in the world are we, you know, I guess you can expect my review in March or something, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't it doesn't instill me the confidence, right? Like, I know there's problems. And for them to, like, hold back code until release usually is a bad sign. Yeah, I heard it was actually, like, two to three days before release. Uh, I don't know what, what update you got, but I got an update the other day that it was going to be two or three days for all the kind of uh, mid-tier uh, reviewers. So I'm not that sure if that's changed since you heard. but um, And so, yeah, that's too, obviously, not enough time. 
But I have a, what is it? Uh, retort? Is that it? I always rhetorical come up with, question. No, not rhetorical. No, I have what? a rebuttal. Hmm. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Rebuttal. Like I'm gonna go against your something. Yes. 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 Uh, I don't know words. So, I think it's it's funny because I heard a reviewer today, a mid tier reviewer, talking about what you're just saying and saying like, when are we gonna get it? It's not gonna be in time, and we want to make sure that we give the best. Uh, you know, more complete review for you, the, the the game player, before you make a decision. Sure. I would say with this particular game that is an epic game that's been years in the making, you probably fucking know if you want it. Like, I think I call bullshit on anyone who is, like, on the fence about cyberpunk. I mean, call me a dick if I'm being dickish, but... For me, obviously, it doesn't matter what the fuck it is. It could be actually, actually broken on day one, and I would still buy it because it's been so long, and I, I trust CD Projekt Red. But I'm just wondering, who is that person who wants to, like, day one be released, is sitting there on their controller figuring out if they should buy it or not, and expects a, again, a huge 100-hour game, a review of it before it comes out? I, I well, think there's, I mean... I, yeah. I mean, I totally hear what you're saying, and I think there's probably a lot of people, you know, myself, yourself. I mean, with my history of The Witcher, I'm definitely inclined to want to play it. I know you want to play it, too. There's probably a million people out there who are going to sign up no matter what, right? I mean, this is real. I mean, unless it's like a dumpster fire in disguise, this is realistically going to be the biggest game of the year by by probably a wide margin. Um, So I guess, I mean, to me, I don't know that there's necessarily so many people out there who are on the fence about it, but I think more like evaluation of it let's talk about it like which platform is the best how does it run technically how what are the issues you know there's been a lot of issues before uh the game launched about you know how they handle trans issues how they handle racism issues how they handle other things so i mean i don't know i mean maybe there are a lot of people who are not in our circles i mean i think everybody in the game sphere is probably going to go for it but you know like the general populace out there i mean maybe they're wanting to know what this game is all about and just out of professional courtesy right like you know, like anytime a game launches on release day, it's usually a bad news. Um, yeah. And so I'm just kind of wondering like what the deal is and why, you know, like, and if it's, if it's bad news, I mean, I know people didn't want them to delay it, but I think I would rather have them delay it than to launch in a bad, in a bad state and then have people have technical problems, lose data, glitching quests or whatever, you know, I mean, it, you know, it, it, it can make a big difference to the experience, you know? So I guess hearing how people, uh, play the game what they think of it how it runs on a ps4 as opposed to ps5 you know is the ps4 even worth bothering with or is it not is it fine is it not okay i mean i think there's a lot of stuff that maybe is not just whether buy it or not buy it but maybe you know handling of the content and platform but 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 all that stuff aside just you know you put out a game you send it to reviewers you know it's yeah how it works you know yeah, I would say, well, on the performance issue side, that makes sense too, right? And like which systems are it's running better on and that kind of stuff. That's a really, I think, um, prescient one. Ooh, We've got like four two. different boxes to choose from right now, right? right. Like literally yeah, yeah, yeah. all four yeah. are still in play. Yeah, and unfortunately the, for them, the developers had to make it for every single one of them. Yeah. Um, so rebuttal two and three. Rebuttal two is they're obviously like up to the wire trying to finish this game. So, and having just worked at a developer, they're fucking running around with their heads cut off trying oh, to sure. ship sure. this. So, you know, I, I think that that's the number one reason why people aren't getting it so soon because they're fucking finishing up till right now. Like Monday or Tuesday, they're probably going to do a new build or Wednesday. Um, that's what I think. Rebuttal three, though, and this is a rebuttal that's a tangent. We can go off on another podcast. <laughs> I think it's just silly that 
so many people do. It's silly is okay. It's my opinion. I think it's silly that people want sometimes reviews in general. I know we're doing them on this, on this podcast. We're doing reviews. But when it comes to like epic games, it's similar like a, an epic movie or something. I wouldn't want to be spoiled. You know, it's similar to why I don't watch too many like long trailers because I don't want to be spoiled by the actual movie. So I would say with this one, with some of the games, they're just games and they're like 15 hour experiences, 20 hour experiences, but something so big like this, for me, even if there was a full review saying a lot about what it was like, I would definitely not watch it. You know, that's, that's my rebuttal three is like how much gets spoiled in a, a review of something that's so big. I mean, that's that's definitely a fair point. And I'm like you. I don't like to be spoiled on anything. So if any reviews spoil stuff, I definitely stay away. And at Game Critics, we have a very strict no spoilers policy as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think I think I would be curious. Um, I mean, not me specifically because I'm probably going to buy it or, you know, get it anyway. So I'm kind of not me, me, but like the, the theoretical me. Like, you know, if this is a 150-hour game, how much of that is quality? Like, how much of that is stuff that you really want to do? You know, how much of that is is great writing how much of that is filler work i mean if any like what do you you know like i guess just hearing about like what the progression of the campaign is and what it does it hold up does it entertain you for the 100 hours or or is it Mm. is it a 20 hour mainline and you got 80 hours worth of bonus stuff i mean you know none of this i mean okay it's games nothing matters right like none of this is world peace none of this is the coronavirus vaccine it's not life or death right this is all like leisure time activity but it's just to me is a little bit concerning and you're probably exactly right i mean i know they delayed it they're probably you know going crazy they probably been working 24 hours you know and and this is not me slagging on cd project red at all like i don't i don't mean to sound like i am i'm not saying that at all i mean nothing but respect for those guys and i hope this is an awesome game i'm sure it will be but i don't know it just it just seems kind of weird that this is like the biggest game of the year and like three people in the industry have played it and it's going to launch in like a couple days and it's like what is what's going on like I mean, maybe it would have been better just to delay it a little bit more. And who knows, you know? Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong, though. And I can see your point of, like, this is kind of what just happens with big games. So if something, again, like my spider senses with Phil Spencer's uh, comments, like something just felt off about it. So that's what you're feeling. Yeah. Um, totally makes sense. Okay, last piece of the housekeeping, which now definitely needs a theme song because it's pretty much been It's like its own segment now, yes. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, these are all important things, though. I just finished uh, capturing video for a uh, Assassin's Creed uh, video I'm doing on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash a lot of things. And it's on these funny things that happened in Assassin's Creed. I get the files on my hard drive. Uh, it, it's the same thing as the PS4. You put your hard drive into the PS5. You go to the storage section. So there's nothing like really made fancy like I wanted, but... It's the same old thing. You go to the storage section, you find the media tab, and you just copy it to USB. And so I copied them over, put them on my computer, and some of the files were MP4s, which is what you work with when you do video editing. And some of the files were fucking WebMs. Oh, God. Fuck. Why? I don't know why that happened. Or I think it's because I chose... In the PS5, there's like a save... Uh, like last five minutes or something. And then there's like, you just, just recording and stuff like that. But I picked a lot of the ones as save last five minutes. Cause that's exactly what I wanted. The, just yeah. the clip. Yeah. I think those are the ones that were the, were turned into web M's to make them smaller or something, but that's fucked. Oh, those are trash, dude. No, so I had you. to get an Adobe premiere plugin, which by the way, if you're listening to this, this is actually a super helpful thing. Um, 
I will try to find a link and give it to Brad to put in the show notes, but there is a Adobe Premiere WebM fucking plugin. So that lets you put them in Premiere because by default, you can't even bring them, import them into Premiere. I know, you can't do shit with them. I fucking hate them. So why did the PS5 do that? What the fuck, PS5? I don't know. I don't okay. Know. Okay, well, that's a good minefield to let people know yeah. about. And plus you had the answer too, which is great. So. Yeah, the answer is get the plugin. All right. Okay. Video games. Any, any more housekeeping? That no, it? no, 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 no. Let's go. All right, let's go. Thank you uh, for keeping that house, Carlos. And now we shall get into the main meat of the show. A lot of games to go through tonight. A ton of games. We're going to keep it with you for now. Uh, You were sent a code from a developer to talk about on this podcast, a game called Tesla Force. This is a top-down, twin-stick shootery sort of thing starring Nikolai Tesla, a fictionalized version. This is not a documentary. Uh, Shooting a bunch of... HP Lovecraft monsters, basically. Uh, I was sent a code for this also. Um, I, I was sent a dud code, so I wasn't able to play it. Oh, yeah. Um, but the developer, like last night, uh, just came through and sent me code. So I have put a little bit of time into it, uh, so I can comment a little bit. But Carlos, why don't you lead off and uh, tell us about Tesla Force. Before we start with Tesla Force, like I like to do often, is uh, say a little disclaimer. Uh the publisher and developer is called 10 tons, 10 tons limited, I think. And they did two games and spoiler, I'm going to be talking about both of those games on this podcast. The other one is very similar to this as well. Another twin stick type shooter. Um, so just putting that out there, you'll hear another thought on, um, a game that they did. So this is my first experience with them as a developer, as well as, um, I haven't played a twin stick shooter type game like this in forever. Yeah, you and, don't see a whole lot of them these days. Yeah, and it's it's weird. It's kind of like, uh, well, here's the thing. Uh, it's a fucking roguelike, right? It's like, it is, you know, maybe, it I guess, I think. It, it, it. I just, I, I'm a little unclear, but keep, keep okay, going. Okay, I'll, I'll explain why. So I was just playing the game, and uh, yeah, it, it's, it starts with the story of Nikola Tesla and actually starts with a little bit of realistic Nikola Tesla story about him trying to create this wireless energy, which anybody listening never heard of him. Google him, he's fascinating. His story is crazy. Uh, there's a movie about him right now with starring Ethan Hawke. Um, he was, in the beginning, there's a cutscenes about him creating this wireless energy, which was pretty amazing, and it's something he did. But then, of course, it turns fucking nuts because he opens a rift in space and time and monsters come out. So that's where it obviously diverges from the real world. Um, so what you do is you have this huge map and you're going to go and uh, get to different sections on the map. And what each map is, is basically monsters come out of spawn points and you have to do one of a few different things. Like, so on the map, you have to destroy statues uh, or you have to close rifts or you have to beat a boss uh, or you have to escape a, a bunch of monsters and basically survive long enough. And so those are all the different things you're doing on the map. Uh, the maps are all pretty small and you can control Tesla or two other characters. Uh, I didn't try the other characters. I just used Tesla. And essentially when you land on the, uh, the map, the new map that you are doing, like, Hey, go to destroy these statues. Okay. You land on the map. You land in this mech for some reason, cause there's yep. mechs in this game. Yep. And that mech is fucking badass and has, you know, total twin stick shooting all the way, you know, 360, uh, awesome, uh, bullet shooting. And that's really fun, but it only lasts for a little while because you have to have so many batteries to use it. So it basically blows up at some point. 
and then you're running around with like a pea shooter in the beginning of the game, and you slowly uh, ramp up your uh, game, uh, your gun and your weapons as you beat more maps. So as you beat a new map, you'll find different stuff littered around the map, uh, upgrades and power-ups and heal healing items and stuff. And then every map, you can actually rebuild that mech by finding the parts to the mech, which is a sh cool strategy. So you basically can try to do the thing on the map that you need to do, like close all the rifts, or at the same time, you can also be finding those mech pieces, which will just obviously help you because as soon as you jump into a mech, you clean house. Uh, and it's also a defensive mechanism because you're, you have a shield on when you're in that thing. So it's really fucking fun. The music is like metal. Like a lot of it's like hard metal. And I have my headphones on and it's like loud. It just feel like the whole thing is like really uh, in your face and a lot of running around shooting things. And I don't generally play these games, but I just kept playing. And I was like, wait, I really love this. And then I got to, of course, in a roguelike fashion, uh, a boss you had to beat at the end. And I was way underpowered to do it and I fucking just failed. And then you go back to the beginning, which is a, a hub zone and rinse and repeat. Did you, so, okay. So I played this a little, a, a little bit last night. Um, when you go back to the beginning, I guess I was not 100% clear. Like, did it wipe all of your progress or yeah. take away all your stuff? Or what exactly happened? Yeah, roguelike style. You have to, you can, in the hub map, you can upgrade your shit. So I was like, wait a minute. And I'm playing a roguelike. Brad Galloway, did he know this? I did uh, not. I did not know this. I know, I know, I know. So I upgraded some stuff. And uh, I felt like it really did help. Like, it added, like, um, you know, health. I was able to health, health right away. I added some just really cool, like, um, offensive abilities. Then I went back in and I did it like six times, maybe. And to, to, to credit the game, it was so much fun. I didn't even care that I was dying at the end of the boss every time, which I guess is what the sensation you feel when you play roguelikes. <laughs> maybe I was feeling what you feel for the first time. Um, and then I beat the boss at the end and then opened up another chapter which is another map. Right, right, right. But I, one more thing I want to say about the gameplay, though. Yeah. One of my favorite things ever, and I don't even know why, and I can't explain it unless you're playing it, but to the close the rifts maps, where you close these rifts, you basically, it feels so good. You shoot, and you're shooting monsters all the time, and you go over to this like green dot, and it gets bigger and bigger as you stay in the circle. Like It's kind of like protect the area thing. Yeah, hold and the point or something like that. Hold the point. And it, it just feels really good. The sound is really good, the rumbling and stuff. And so um, as that's building up, you feel like pretty cool. And then when it when you clear it, it like explodes and kills all the monsters near it. And then you're on to the next one. It's just so like visceral, that the, those closing the rift sections. But I, I really, really like this game, which is it's just surprising to me. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I was honestly not sure what you were going to make of it. Um, so that is good to know. I was not a fan of this game. Um, wait, like wait, wait. The first one that's close to a roguelike and we both don't like it. Oh. I mean, you like it. I, I just, uh, it just didn't click with me. You know, I, uh, I jumped in and to be fair, I did you know, I played it for maybe like half an hour. It's not like I put like hours and hours into it or anything, but I just, you know, I dipped in for a quick taste cause I knew we were talking about it today. Um, I think I just, didn't care for how small and limited it felt. Um, when I started playing the map, like the first map was like, fix the generator. And I'm like, okay, so you're in this little area. 
tons of enemies just come straight for you just like swarming and i think that was another thing i didn't like about it either was you're just really inundated with swarms of monsters like it didn't feel like there was a lot of strategic maneuvering or uh you know and i, I don't mean I'm, I'm sure the developer would be pulling their hair out to hear me say this but it's like it just felt like i was just like constantly getting swarmed and it just wasn't really that fun just shooting 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 but not really like in a way that like felt very interesting it was just like i was getting overwhelmed with numbers um which is not my favorite type of gameplay um so i, I got through the map no problem uh you know refix the generator whatever go to the next map and it's fix the generator and i'm like what i literally just did fix the generator why am i doing fix the generator again do that one again it's a different map but you're still doing the same thing like the map i guess is randomized or something so i did that one and the next branch i got to was close the rift or fix the generator and i'm like okay wait a minute like how many different fucking missions are there because i feel like i've been playing this game for five minutes and i'm already seeing the same thing repeated which yeah good roguelikes will give you way more variety than that um so that part was not great and i just didn't care for the swarm based gameplay and i mean it was just it just felt very standard like it just nothing about it really clicked with me it didn't leap out at me in any way. I saw the roguelike elements, and they were all pretty standard, like, you know, better health, better guns, but nothing nothing that seemed really cool. And granted, I didn't see the other characters. I didn't play long enough to unlock them. Um, but just based off of that one session I had, I'm like, okay, I, you know, this is all right, but, like, I've seen enough, and I don't think I want to spend any more time on it. So Rebuttal. Rebuttal. One more rebuttal. Uh, I think that what it is is it's, it's so weird for me to be – defending or whatever this game because i don't like these kinds of games generally but i think what it is for me i played it for like i mean i beat the whole first chapter so i played it for maybe a combined six hours or something five six hours probably wow that's it. a pretty good chunk of time yeah i mean like yeah i just kept playing i'm in i'm in the second chapter and i i don't even care that i haven't beat the second boss um i kept going back to it because there's that flow like uh, a geometry wars or some right, other games right. where you, when you get in the flow, which I'm fully in now, I forgot to mention there's a slide mechanic, and it's huge. Like, the slide mechanic is huge. It's everything. It's like a teleport. And if you don't teleport, the game is, like, boring, and you'll die all the time. But what the game becomes is this flow state of sliding, hitting these little nuke buttons, and the nukes just blow up everything, everything in sight. Yeah, yeah. Sliding, heal, sliding, upgrade your weapon next map yeah it's the same thing like fix the generator but it's a different map and so it's not really about the fix the generator or kill the monster it's just about the flow state that i felt with like the loud music uh sliding blowing things up and then doing it again and for some reason that's what hooked me so i, I think mean that's it, a it, that's a fair statement dude i mean i totally get what you're saying and i think that you're saying it accurately I just, for me, I just didn't find that interesting. And so that's really all the game is. And if you don't click into that, there's not yeah. much there. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you're totally right. And if, you know, if there's players out there who like that flow state, the getting immersed in the fast action and the reflexes, which, you know, I sometimes do. Like, I'm not opposed to that. Just, just, this wasn't it for me. So I didn't, didn't click. I'll say one negative Nelly, though, to add to your not liking it. Um, <laughs> okay. Is that for some reason, I have no fucking clue. In a game where it's so... Uh, frenetic and it's insane the health is like on the left like hidden away like your health bar isn't even a bar it's just numbers like i thought it was the circle around your character wait have i been playing this guy game and not knowing that this whole time <laughs> I, I thought the green circle around your character was the health am i wrong i could be wrong 
you could be because all I know is I kept looking to the left where like the number version of the health is and I was like oh that's not good I, I have to keep looking to the left and I'm getting attacked by monsters maybe I'm just an idiot I'll go back and I mean I, I mean you could be totally right dude you spent way more time with it than I did I I, I did not engage with this game in the way that I, I'm sure that the developers wanted me to I just didn't click so I didn't uh, okay I I'll go back and look spend so much time I'll go back right. and look I, the negative thing was that if their health is just in the menu off to the left <laughs> that would be fucked <laughs> All right, that is Tesla Force. I played it on PS4. You played it on PS4 or 5? I bought the PS5 version, or I got the download of the PS5. Excellent, excellent. Okay, moving on. I've got a bunch of stuff to talk about. Um, And I'm afraid that this is going to be kind of a negative skewing show, although I will finish big, I promise you. Um, First one is actually a good one. It's called If Found. Uh, This is originally a game that started on iOS, and then it came to Switch a couple weeks ago. I'm not sure if it's on any other platforms. Have you heard of this one, Carlos? I haven't, and now I'm using Google. This is a narrative experience, and I'm not I'm not one of those people who's like, this is the game. I mean, I just want people to know. I think this is cool, and I think it's worthwhile, but it's not a game game. Like, it's about a story being told, uh, and the presentation is really cool, uh, and of course it shows its iOS origins. You go to the screen, and I played this on the Switch, some stuff comes up on the screen and then you have to like swipe it off the screen as if you're kind of like erasing it. And that erase mechanic, like using your finger, um, progresses the game because you're like you're wiping away layers of things and going deeper and deeper and wiping things away and going deeper. It's it, it, it looks very cool visually. Um, lots of colors, lots of line drawings like it looks really neat. I like the I like the look of it. Um, but I will say I got kind of tired of using my finger to swipe. And there is a button that you can push to just auto swipe the screen, which I started doing because it just kind of got old swipe things after a while but yeah by the way i don't like using my finger on my switch at all i'm not a huge fan of it especially not like in action games but this was pretty chill like a narrative experience you're just reading so it wasn't too bad but after a while i wanted to stop using my finger and just push yeah yeah, so that's what i did uh basically and i don't think this is a spoiler because i think everybody um who does even basic research on this will figure it out this is a narrative story about a trans person who is coming to terms um with their life and with their family and with their friends and it's just the story about how they are relating to people. Uh, I believe it is a, um, well, it, it, it's a trans woman who is, is is trying to find her place in the world and having difficult times with her mother and her brother and um, having a little bit of a sticky wicket with um, this guy that's kind of interested in her. And I mean, that's, that's I, I don't mean to, to reduce it and make it sound like, well, that's all it is. Because I mean, that's all it is. But at the same time, I think it's a really heartfelt story that I feel like is a very human story and anybody who um, is going through the same issues or as is a trans person themselves or maybe knows someone who is a trans person, um, I think there's probably a lot of value in here. I think they do a really good job of illustrating what it must feel like to be in that situation and how difficult it must be to not be accepted by the people who are in your closest circle. So mm. um, I, I had a good time with it. I think, I mean, I, I, I mean, it sounds weird to say I had a good time with this person's story of struggle and suffering. I mean, it, I, I, I enjoyed and I found value in what they were showing to me and i appreciated that i got to play through it it was something that i liked and i think that uh anybody with an interest in the subject material uh should check it out for sure it's a short experience as well i think maybe two three hours it's not very long yeah i like these short experiences i mean there's a ton on the switch and it reminds me of uh like what i alluded to earlier about games and movies and the similarities there it's like an independent film you know yeah yeah very much so it's like a little two three hour independent film like experience that you can 
just dip into and, you know, and just get, you know, look through the eyes of this trans person and see what they're going through. I, I, I thought it was very humane and very touching. Um, I thought it was quite well done. Cool. That is If Found. Um, the next thing I will cover is called Foregone, F-O-R-E-G-O-N-E, also on the Switch. This is a 2D action platformer. Very much in the style of a Dead Cells. Have you played Dead Cells, Carlos? I, you know, what? I kept meaning to, and then it's it's a Souls like 2D, isn't it? It's kind of like a roguelike Souls like 2D action game. the The thing with Dead Cells was the animation was what really sold it. It's got this crazy smooth animation. That's um, what I kept hearing. Yeah. Yeah, the animation's great, and I kept meaning to go back to it, but I got to be honest, I found Dead Cells to be extremely difficult. Like, frustratingly so, and I was waiting oh for them to goodness, patch it if out. if you did, I yeah. would never play it. Yeah, it's hard, dude. It's really hard, and I think that it's one of those situations where you come back to it six months later, and I think it's a better experience. So I, I keep meaning to come back to it. Uh, but regardless, uh, I feel like Foregone is kind of in the same vein. 2D, really smooth animation, bright colors. You're doing some platforming. You're equipping weapons. You're equipping armor. You've got a couple magic spells, and... I mean, like, I'm kind of struggling to say what else the game has to offer because it feels a little bit on the generic side. Like, watching videos of it, it's pretty impressive, um, especially the animation really does sell it. But once I started playing, um, the, the story felt very, like, sci-fi generic, and I didn't connect with the character very much. The action, again, felt very, like, standard. Like, it didn't feel like there was a hook to it. I mean, and this is going to be really brutal, and I, I apologize if I'm hurting anybody's feelings, or I, I'm not trying to be disrespectful here, but it kind of just felt like somebody really likes Dead Cells a lot and wanted to do their own version and didn't really have much else to say about it, and mm. they kind of just did that. So, I mean, I did not play it for very long. I, honestly, I got kind of bored of it, and I moved on, but I guess if you want like an early, an easier version of something that is kind of in the ballpark of Dead Cells, that's kind of what Foregone is, I guess. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's like, um, you know, sometimes people like the games that are about other games better than the original game. So that, that is that very true. Said, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you want something that's easier, I mean, this is way easier than, than Dead Cells was. So that in itself is a selling point. But, you know. Hey, before we leave this uh, topic, because that's all you had to say on Foregone. Isn't yeah, it? pretty much. Yeah. I, 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 it's not like I did any research because we don't do that on this podcast. But what is that game that I almost bought? it's a 2d souls like um it's like top down it's an rpg it looks like bloodborne it just came up for the ps4 and i was gonna pick it up it's um oh my god i'm totally blanking on what you're talking about it's Did really, I play really it? dark no no i don't think so it's indie it was on steam and i should have looked it up uh before this podcast i just thought you might dig it and i don't i'm on the fence with getting it or not because if it's it's like you know we're 3D type games. Uh, third well, why, person. Why don't you Google it real quick? Because I have one more game to talk about. Google it while I'm talking, and this is perfect because it's going to be right in line with what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, and then tell me what the title is, and we'll discuss afterwards. Okay. But I'm doing research. All right, you Google. Um, the other game, which kind of falls in the same basket in as Foregone, is called Morbid: The Seven Acolytes. Uh, this is another 2D pixel-based, um, kind of a top-down-ish three-quarters view. Um, and much like Foregone seems like kind of a love letter to Dead Cells, Morbid seems like a love letter to uh, Bloodborne. Wait, wait, um, wait, wait. That's the game. Oh, is that what you're looking at, Morbid? Yes, that's oh, the well, game. <laughs> that I'm talking about it right now. What a beautiful segue that really sounded fucked up. And do, not, didn't really... do, do not buy this game, dude. Do not buy it. Okay, 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 good. No, well, I'm no, glad no. that we're talking about it then. 
Yeah, so Morbid, definitely heavily inspired by Bloodborne. I mean, like, a lot inspired by Bloodborne. Obviously not a 3D, full 3D thing. It's like 2D. You How know. did you not? Hold on, though. How did you not know I was talking about that? I don't I was know. describing I it. Exactly. I, I, I just, I, could, I didn't think you were picking the, the exact thing that I was about to talk about. I, like, literally finished saying it. And you go, I don't know, dude. And then you're like, anyways, my next game is. And then it was exactly <laughs> what I was saying. So, video games, folks. That's, oh. that's what we do. Here. Um, okay. So yeah. So this is a 2D action game. You start off in a, a rotten fishing town, as so many of these like Lovecraft-inspired games do, and you start whacking dudes. And it's about a big bad evil who's taken over. You got to kill the seven acolytes of the evil thing and that kind of stuff. The whole the graphics are very like kind of gross and dingy, very much like Bloodborne. I mean, the whole thing seems like a love letter to Bloodborne. Your character is like a lady with a big sword and you can get different weapons and you whack monsters. And I mean, again, it feels like it feels like the developer again, not to be disrespectful, but I got to be honest. It feels like the developers really like Bloodborne and they wanted to do Bloodborne, but they don't have much else to say. And so, again, I didn't play this for like a million hours. I just played it for like maybe like one long session. And I just was like, I mean, Bloodborne is a thing that exists. And if I want to play that, I can go play that. And this game doesn't really excite me in any way. And it feels like just like an homage. And I'm not really super keen on homages that don't bring their own spin. Um, I mean, and, and, and the combat itself did not feel great. Like it didn't feel tight. It didn't feel um, as crisp as I would like in a game like this, especially not considering the, the uh, inspiration. And uh, the, the world map seemed kind of open and I got a little bit lost. I wasn't sure where to go. I was kind of wandering back and forth. And I just was like, it just didn't grab me, right? Like I didn't, it did not inspire me to like sign on for this campaign i did not want to accept this challenge I, I i dipped in i saw what it was got a good sense of it i'm like you know this is not for me and i'm not going to play this so so i have a question so yeah um I, what i heard on the uh the internet people were saying that one of the problems they'd had with it was like some of the stuff just didn't work like you had guns but they really didn't do much damage and so they didn't really see a reason to use the guns and I was like, well, that's shitty because I like the idea of having, like, being at range in a 2D game. Like, that seems cool. Like, that would give me more of a fighting chance. You know, 2D game, shoot, run around, use my, like, controller ability, and then go in for 2D hack and slash. But they said that that didn't even really work. So I'm just wondering, like, did the gameplay itself... See, because, like, what I was trying to say earlier is that, like, when it's third-person perspective, I just, like eat shit when it comes to the souls games yeah but 2d i'm very good at like i guess it's you know maybe it's a mixture of that twin shooter stuff why i like it like i just feel more in control of a map that i can see the whole thing of yeah and yeah. so i feel like i'm just wondering if i would like it at all because of that because i can't play normal souls likes it seems like but like that i was like oh maybe i got a better shot at it mm, i mean i hear what you're saying and i i, I actually agree with you I, I totally get what you mean about in certain certain presentations lend themselves towards certain kinds of gameplay. And I'm definitely a fan of the 2d, you know, and certainly top down stuff as well, but I just don't feel like the combat is very good here. Like I, I mm. feel like it's not, it's not responsive the way that I would want it to be. It didn't feel as fast or as mobile as I would want it to be. Um, and granted, you know, maybe you get power ups later, maybe your character levels up or something. I don't know. Like I, I can only speak about the part that I saw after one long session. I mean, the guns seemed fine, but Maybe um, they become less effective as the campaign goes on. That's very possible. But based on what I saw, I just my my hands were not liking it, and conceptually, yeah. I wasn't really liking it. And I was like, okay, I just I, I just don't want to play like a less good Bloodborne because Bloodborne is a thing that exists. And to be honest, I'm not even that in love with Bloodborne to start with. So like, I don't want to play a less good version of it, right? Right, right, right. 
Yeah, so. you just literally were not feeling it. Yeah, just was not feeling it. Just was not was not sold. So there okay. you go. Uh, let's turn it back to you, Carlos. You were playing a game that I've actually played a while ago, and it's actually a really cool one. It's called Judge, but it's actually spelled J Y D G E. I don't know why they spell it that way. Uh, maybe licensing problems or something, copyright issues. But Judge, where are you playing it? And tell us all about it. Before I get started, where did you play it and when did you play it? I want to say that I played it on PS4, and I think I played it at least a year ago, if not longer. Probably longer. Wow, okay. And I, I played it on the PS5. I think it was an actual PS5 port. Like, they, I think it was in the PS5 store. Oh, okay. All right. I think... Maybe it was a PS4 game. Shit, I forgot. Because now I have a PS5. I have both stores, so I just go to one. Hard so, to keep them separate, I'm sure. Yeah, I played it on my PS5. It's either a PS5 game or a PS4 game. Uh, I don't know what kind of upgrades they did to the game since you played it, but it is fucking fun, and it's really unique and interesting that two things. One, it's also, like I said earlier, the same developer, uh, 10 tons, and you can tell because it's another twin-stick-type shooter. And again, I generally don't care for those games. I very much like this game. It is Hotline Miami mixed with Judge Dredd. And I think that that's why they couldn't call it Judge because, you know, Judge Dredd. Yeah, so thematic similarities. Yes. So you're a cop dude, mech cop dude. Uh, and it's this really big gun and the gun's called the gavel, which is hilarious. And you go down into, just like Hotline Miami, go down to different missions, different scenarios. One is a bank robbery. One's a hostage situation. You're the cop. You're the judge. Was it? Judge, jury, yeah. and executioner. That's there it. There you go. I got there. And you go down and you try to like do a few different things, right? Uh, rescue <clears throat> the hostages, kill all the bad guys, get all the loot. There's actually like a bunch of loot to get. And then what's really interesting about the game is each map has different things you need to do and then you can win medals based on um you know successful things you do like not getting hit at all or beating the mission in 20 seconds and you need those medals to open up different story chapters so it's kind of a you go down to do the story but then you actually have to go back in and play it again to do these medals and and kind of play the game better Uh, generally i don't like those either but these all seem to be attainable none of them felt like totally difficult and what's great is, you know, not like Hotline Miami, you have health and you can upgrade your health and you can actually do things to your judge. So you don't feel like you just a one shot and you lose the whole mission, but you can get one shotted. Like you can actually like a big missile or something could hit you or a boss type character can get you. But in general, you feel like you have the ability to move around the map pretty well. And there's a lot of walls and cover and one of the things you can do is upgrade your weapon and upgrade your judge. And one of the things for the judge that I first got, which I don't know if you did when you played, was the hide in the shadows perk. Oh, dude, mega useful, dude. Super, Super useful. Super cool. Yeah. And I, I never played a, a twin stick shooter with a hide in the shadows like stealth thing. So you essentially can be right in front of somebody and they can't see you because you're in the shadow and you just blast away and then you don't have to worry about even getting um, shot at. So... There's so many cool things about this game. I won't talk about it forever because I just want people to experience it. If you like a twin stick shooter that's like Hotline Miami, I think you'll love it. I'm guessing you'll say the same thing in a minute. We'll see. But one of the coolest things I like is two things. One, some of the power-ups are ridiculous. 
like really, really cool and fun and, and helpful in, in the missions. The one I just got makes me want to play it like all night, which is, um, I don't know if you got this ever, but you can blast through walls. Oh yeah, the sniper, the sniper cannon that goes through walls. Yeah, basically, there's destructible environments in this, which is also yep. something you don't yep. see. And so, literally, just now before this podcast, I went up to a side of a wall where there's like five guys in there, and I just shot three holes through and just kept, you know, destroying them from the wall. Like I didn't have to even go through the door. Um, the second thing I love is that there's sections like that need keys and stuff, like unlockable sections, and then there's bosses. Well, if you beat the bosses or open the door with the unlockable key, it's not like other fucking roguelikes. It actually is permanent, yes, which is yes. cool as shit. Because then you go back and you're like, well, I, I already opened the door with a special key or I hacked the one lock. Now I know that I don't have to do it again, and I can actually go in and do the other stuff that I'm actually trying to focus on. Developers, learn from them. That's so cool. Didn't you feel yeah. that way, that that it was the different type of approach? Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, if I, if I was bored and unmotivated by tesla force it's it's strange because i think judge is completely fucking awesome i feel like it's really 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 good and it's interesting because when you look at screenshots of judge it looks kind of dull um visually and that's why i didn't buy it for such a long time i saw it in the ps4 store a million times and i never bought it until it dropped to like 99 cents or something ridiculous and once i played it i was like oh my god this game is like amazing why did why why did no one tell me how great this game was it's like so good um, I mean, everything you said, yes, agree to all that. I think the ability to customize your judge is really fun, and that goes hand-in-hand hand with the the metal system you, you mentioned. Because usually I'm somebody who hates to replay levels, but in judge, all the levels are super bite-sized, and because there are so many different objectives, like you play the level first time, and it's like, rescue the hostage. Okay, fine. The next time, do it under 20 seconds. Okay, fine. The next time, do it, but don't break any furniture. <laughs> and the next time, like, there's all these different little things, and you can kind of spec your judge out in different ways so that... You know, you, you get a different power-up and come back, and an objective that seemed impossible the first time is, like, super easy once you, like, respec your judge. And there's, like, so many different power-ups, that, like you said, that are crazy, like the shoot-through walls, the turn invisible. Like, there's all the kind of Gatling gun. You have a little drone that goes with you and stuff. Like, you just change it up, and it's just it's so fun to experiment with that. And, and I do agree that the permanence of the levels where... Um, doing something the first time makes it easier the second and third time. And that's what kind of opens the door to achieving some of those like later, um, later goals. So, I mean, like everything about this game is just like great. It feels great to play. It's great concept, great character. Like you said, like a judge dread plus a RoboCop sort of thing. Plus hotline Miami. I mean, it's really great. Like it don't be fooled because the screenshots do look pretty boring, but man, this game is really tight and really fun. I love it a lot. Yeah, and also the music is pretty fun. Like, it changes up. There's, like, a lot of different tracks, and I like the music a lot. And uh, I mean, not as good as Highline Miami, probably, but that uh, is, is is everything you said also, yes. So, yeah, surprise for me, too. Uh, both of those I go back to, and I don't generally play those games, and I'm going back to both of them. So that's a pretty high uh, praise for me. Yeah, I'm broadening your horizons a little bit. Yeah. Excellent. Well, the game's good enough. I mean, come on. <laughs> All right, I got another couple, couple three games to talk about here. The first one is a couple uh, three games is couple not a three. couple games. I got a couple three. First one three is games. three games: Vampire, The Masquerade, Shadows of New York. Now you remember I talked about Coteries of New York, right? Yes, and I played it. I love Coteries of New York. I think it is brilliant. I think it is one of the best visual novels I've played in a long time. Uh, Shadows of New York is the follow-up slash 
semi-sequel slash expansion sort of a thing and it's terrible it's it's really bad um i was a little bit shocked at how bad it was and how different it is from coteries um for starters again it's got the great artwork the artwork is the same which is wonderful the artwork is the best thing about it uh, but the writing is just not great like in this particular game you play a person who quickly becomes a vampire but you skip all of the whole I am a human becoming a vampire. What does that mean? And I feel angst. Like, you skip all that and just jump into them later on becoming a vampire. So, like, you don't really feel as connected because you're not going on that journey with them. And most of the stuff that you do in Shadows feels like cut content from Coteries. Like, you're kind of talking to some of the same characters. Some of it happens during the same time period. Um, it feels like a lot less exploration, a lot less talking to other characters, a lot less relationship building. It kind of just feels like they're giving you content that kind of expands on coteries but i didn't really miss in the first place and i'm not really sure why i'm going through it it just gets a little i'm trying like long in the i don't tooth? even know <laughs> i don't know i just wanted, I just wanted to use that saying you've been waiting you've been waiting i huh? have yeah i there's just something about it that just feels very non-essential and very like internet nerd lore kind of like somebody who like you know like this feels like a fanfic that somebody wrote about coteries and it just doesn't mm. come across as an experience that i really feel is necessary or even or even that adds on substantially to coteries so i was very disappointed did not finish it i got i just i couldn't believe like how much of a difference it was so i love coteries i still stand by that uh shadows of new york is totally missable by the way i apologize i even used long in the tooth i just looked it up uh it, it mean it originally came from a horse gums receding with age. <laughs> Are you apologizing to our, all of our horse listeners right now? I'm apologizing to our listeners <laughs> that I even said long in the tooth because I was like, I've said that before. And what does it mean? I just looked it up and it's gross. So sorry, I use that. <laughs> but but what it really meant was that the, the, the game was getting a little old to you and you were like over that idea. Or I guess it was just not done correctly. Yeah, I just I just didn't care about the character. I didn't care about this experience with the choices, barely any choices compared to Coteries. And it just I just I, I guess I'm a little bit confused as to why they thought this was compelling content. It does not feel anywhere near the product that Coteries was. It's just very mm. disappointing and shallow and confusing. So Wah-wah. did not enjoy. Did not enjoy. Um moving on. Goner two, G O N N E R two. It is a two D. Have you seen this one? Yeah, I played Goner. Goner, yeah, I'm interested to hear what you think. Have you played Goner? Did you play the first I, one? I did play the first Goner. liked it a lot. I really like the first Goner. I think it's great. Okay. Very difficult, but I, I did really like it. In that one, you are a little dude who has interchangeable heads, and each head has a different power. Plus, you have interchangeable guns, and each gun has a different power. And so you kind of do like a little mix and match going through these randomized 2D levels uh also roguelike there was some stuff to unlock permanently but like you know each run was basically its own thing uh the art style was really unique and weird kind of eerie and kind of creepy but kind of weird and indie and kind of just strange i liked the first goner a lot um did not finish it i always meant to come back to it and it just didn't and i was very curious to see goner too i do not like this game at all don't even don't even like it a bit Um, yeah i feel like it's literally the same game except for the difficulty has been jacked way up and i already thought goner the first one was pretty hard so um i do not like goner 2 i feel like it was really difficult prohibitively difficult um i am someone who plays hard games i play a lot of roguelikes i am no stranger to difficulty 
And this one just put me off from the start. Like it was like a really steep wall to get over. And I just did not want to get over it. I still have the first goner that I think starts out better and is easier to play and is basically the same thing. So I did not get very far in goner two. We have to have a, a listen, uh, a list, no, it's not listen to the, um, we have to have a letter to the editor uh, episode about get good. Yeah, probably. Because probably. like, how many times do we hear where we like, like the idea of a game, but then they're like, it's like weirdly hard. Like, who are they, who are they building that for? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's weird. I think there's a couple things. I think there's. I think there's two main schools of thought, and this usually comes up in the indie sphere. I don't notice that it comes up in the AAA development too much, probably because they focus test too much and they have a lot of committees and stuff. But like in the indie sphere, I feel like it's either two, one of two things. One is we love this game and we have played this game every day for the last three years. Everybody on the development team is so fucking good at this game that we keep ratcheting the difficulty up to make it challenging for ourselves without realizing that people who buy this game are not nearly as good as we are and will get crushed by this fucking difficulty. That's number wow. one. Yeah. Number two is I am a developer and I like things really hard and I'm going to put this out there as a challenge to you. And if you're not good enough, then fuck you. So yeah. I feel like it's either of those two things. Usually I don't know which one this one falls under, but I'm not a fan of either one of those schools of thought. Yeah, that's those are both valid, probably issues that happen. So just an interesting uh, point to make. Yeah. 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 Um, the last thing I'll mention really quickly is called Ponpu. P O N P U. Uh, this is a top down. I don't even know how to describe it. It's kind of like a puzzle game. It's kind of like an action game. It's very much like Bomberman. Have you ever played a Bomberman? Uh, one of my favorite games of all time ever. Okay. So maybe you want to check this one out. This is very much like Bomberman, but with Psycho Penguins. Um, the art style is really strange. A very abstract, kind of like a little bit of a Ren and Stimpy flair to it, or a little bit of a weird, edgy, kind of a monochromatic sort of a thing going on. But it's good. The animation is great. Very smooth. Looks like hand-drawn animation. It looks like a bit like a cartoon in motion. It's really, really good looking. And you pick one of four um, Psycho Penguins. They're all crazy in some way. And you go through these levels, planting bombs, making sure you get out of the way of the explosion of your own bomb, opening levels... Uh, defeating enemies by planting bombs and, you know, put it, the bomb in the right place and run away from them, etc., etc. Uh, there is a full single-player campaign, which is great, uh, but there's also a very meaty multiplayer aspect. I did not play the multiplayer because I am not a multiplayer guy, but if you want Bomberman-style flavor action, this game has that, and it looks great too. But there's also this this campaign that you can go through if you want to. More on the puzzly side, but there are some pretty bitchin' boss battles in there as well. Um, and it is it's not a cakewalk. I mean, I think the the game in general is is not bad, but the bosses can be a bit tough. But oh, overall, that, pretty cool, pretty cool. Sorry, that sounds really awesome. And Bomberman, you now you have my going back to my Bomberman memories. Um, and there was a one player you know campaign in that as well, and it was based around you know, these puzzles and and be the monster. So. I am going to check this out. If you like Bomberman, anybody out there who remembers or likes Bomberman, this is 100% your jam. And I think it's a really cool interpretation of the Bomberman formula. And I'm sure there's probably a lot of people out there who maybe have never had a Bomberman experience because we haven't had a really good Bomberman game in a while. Um, yeah, check it out. It's something different. You don't see these every day. And I think this is a pretty well done iteration of it. I thought it was pretty good. So did not finish the campaign. Um, still kind of chipping my way through it. But I, it's a thumbs up. I dig it. I'm picking it up, and I also have to give you two quick Bomberman memories. One, 
uh, Bomberman on Turbo Graphics because you know that's my favorite system of all time. Love uh, it. They had the Turbo Tap where you could play four players oh, yes. at once. Oh yes. So that was one of the first times you could play four people in Bomberman on one console at home, and I did that with my friends in person, and it was fucking amazing. And uh, Asterix, I'm really, really, really good at Bomberman. I can actually say that. <laughs> Remind know, me because, to never challenge you. No, you you should. And I will not. Fun, and I will beat you. <laughs> but secondly, I had another memory. Um, we in the summer I would go to this place called Hampton Beach in New Hampshire, and we'd work uh, on the beach. And like I'd worked at a music store, and we'd all like rent these little rooms. And the room that we had, we had like a bunch of bedrooms and this big living room. And in the living room, we put our Super Nintendo when Super Bomberman was out. And we had the wireless controllers, so which was, again, hot shit back then. So we had wireless controllers, uh, four people, Super Bomberman, in the living room with drinks. It was one oh, of my wow. favorite times of all life. Like, I really, really, yeah. And so I have a lot of good memories with that game. It's a great, that's one of the classic, from our period of time, one of the most classic multiplayer games, I think. I actually did have the multi-tap and i did also do the four players in real life nice. which is really fun really fun mm-hmm. um terrible graphics love forever and ever um but yeah i think this is great um i don't know if you can do four players maybe you can i didn't explore the multiplayer side very much because i was more in the single player campaign but if you love Bomberman as much as you say you do you absolutely need to check it out along with anybody else who is out there do i'm downloading i'm downloading it and i'm also challenging you I'm gonna challenge you. <laughs> I, I, you will not challenge me because wireless, I, wireless. I don't Come need on. to get my ass beat. I don't need that. Uh, so that is Ponpu, P O N P U. I played it on the Switch. I believe it's also on PC. It might be somewhere else. Not sure exactly. Carlos, let's go back to you with a game that I, um, I have only recently been made aware of. I don't really know anything about it other than it comes from Ratalaika Games. Um, paw paw paw. P A W. Paw paw paw. What is what is paw paw paw? Yeah, another P game. Oh, that's, that didn't sound right. Uh, <laughs> another game that starts with the word P, letter P. Uh, anyways, Paw Paw Paw, uh, it actually stands for the the village or town. And the town is called Paw 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 in the game. But what is the game? It's a side-scrolling hack-and-slash game like Castle Crashers. So if you're familiar with Castle Crashers, which is really yeah. fun, uh, it's a game like that where you're going left to right and beating monsters and using health potions and doing special moves. Um, the map is similar to Tesla Force or another roguelike game because surprise, this is a roguelike. Oh, wow. You went all out and just played nothing but, almost nothing but roguelikes this episode. I Man, didn't what mean to. That's the thing. I had no idea. Wow. Like, accidental roguelike. Oh, Yikes. Accidental roguelike by three times, I think. So... <laughs> I guess it's like roguelike, um, uh, what's the word? When it comes back and gets you. Um, retribution? I don't know. I was going to say boomerang, but I don't think that's the right word. It's the boomer. It's the roguelike boomerang. boomerang. <laughs> the, the classic roguelike boomerang. Anyways, it, the game is cutesy, cartoony. You play as animals. You're a bunch of different animals. You can be a warrior, a barbarian, a archer. Uh, for some reason, the other one is a botanist, even though it's just someone with two- <laughs> Warrior, do- barbarian, archer, and botanist. botanist. Okay, I know. I thought it was very funny. You don't like have like science tubes or something. You just have two blades, like dual blades. But they called him a botanist for some reason. Does he uh, slice plants or something? Like what? what where's the connection know. there? I didn't choose him. You know me. I picked the two-handed sure. barbarian, two-handed sure. warrior. Uh, so 
you know, you have a headquarters area, like a lot of roguelikes. And as soon as I saw the headquarters, I was like, wait a minute. Am I playing a roguelike? Uh-oh. I upgraded stuff. I went out into the world. I beat, you know, you go through the map. You go to the next section, the next section. And I was like two sections in, and then I died. And I was like, oh, but these adventure games like Castle Crashers, usually you're not like dying right away. It's not like traditional roguelike, but it's those games where like we're going to throw a lot at you, and you're probably going to have to go back to the headquarters and upgrade. So yeah. whatever game that's called, you know, because I think – now I'm actually just kind of going back a little bit. I think Castle Crashers did that away, in a way where you did have to go back and like upgrade a bit. But this one seems like you're going to have to upgrade quite a bit. Like I had to go buy a bunch of health potions. I had to, there's a skill tree. So I had to upgrade some of my skills and my health. Then when I did that and I found kind of like different ways to play, I did make it pretty far without dying. But I'm afraid because I'm afraid if I get to a boss that it's it will be essentially become a roguelike, you know. Uh, but I didn't play it long enough to get to an actual boss, but I did a, a bunch of boards and played through them. And, you know, it's okay. Like, um, the music I remember liking a lot, it's kind of like Vaporware Electronica, which is kind of interesting choice. Um, I like the characters a little bit. I'm not in love with this game. I don't want to end the, the podcast on a Debbie Downer, but it's interesting. But by the looks of it and what I thought it was, it just you know, because I do like Castle Crashers, it just came off a little bit lacking for me. Um, but I will also say this, the funniest bit is that the whole story is that there's a, a town called Paw Paw Paw, a meteor hits, it turns the king into an evil asshole, uh, and he goes, okay, everybody has to wear pants now, but they're animals. So all the animals like <laughs> rise up and they say, we are now the anti-pants and we don't wow. want to wear pants. And so wow. you're... You're essentially going to try to rescue the leader of the revolution of the anti-pants? Okay. There's that's, your story. That's that's a sentence I never thought I'd hear. <laughs> I know. But which was actually intriguing to me. I was like, I want to be part of the anti-pants. I, I am, let's investigate this no-pants option. Yeah. Uh, it's okay. It's a solid okay for me. Like, <laughs> I, I probably will go back. There's rolling. There's swinging weapons. There's... Hack and slash. There's a little bit of comedy. There's definitely some comedy in like the story bits, you know. So it's it's okay. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I'll be curious to hear if you go back to it and if you play anymore. I, you know, Ramalika is a very interesting developer. I have a very kind of love hate relationship with them. Like like literally every game they ever put out, I am immediately interested in because oh, whoever picks their games has a good eye uh, for their art style. I, I like I like pixel games. They put out a lot of pixel games. I think almost all pixel games. I like, you know, 2D action. They put out a lot of 2D action. So every time I see an announcement from Radalika, I'm like, ooh, this looks great. But every time I play a Radalika game, they are usually way too fucking hard. Um, and I never finish any of them. I've had that experience multiple times. And so I just ended up stop buying their games because I'm like, I'm just going to buy another game that looks cool and I'm not going to finish, uh. which kind of bums me out. So... But they, they get me every time. Like, every single time, I'm like, yes. And then I'm like, no, no, no. But okay. yes, but so no. So they, they got me, and you didn't warn me but because we, we didn't talk. Because exactly that's what happened to me. I was like, anti-pants, animals, animals fighting, uh, castle, castle crashers, yes. And then I got in, and now I'm thinking maybe no. So <laughs> what was the game that they got you and that you did like, though? Or was there one that you liked more than others? Oh, God, no, I don't... <laughs> I mean, I all their games are pretty good, but then they get too hard, and then I get mad, and I just yeah. I just stop yeah. playing them. Yeah. Well, that's what happened to me. I got mad, and I was like, yeah. but uh, yeah, 
All right. That's Paw Paw Paw. You playing at what? Switch? PC? What am I playing at? Come on, you tell me. I mean, I'm guessing Switch. PS4. 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 Okay. It showed up on right. PS4 because I was going through that old catalog. Gotcha. All right. That's Paw 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 from Rattle Like a Games. Last game of the show, but we do have a pretty substantial Q&A coming up, folks. Hold tight. Last game of the show that I'm going to talk about is one that I'm going to just, I'm going to spoil it for you up front, Carlos. I love this game. It is amazing. It is so good. I think it's fantastic. Definitely one of my top 10 games of the year. Yakuza Like a Dragon. I'm playing oh, on PS4. Yeah. I think this game is great. Full disclosure, I am a Yakuza stan from way long time ago. I was one of those weirdo nerds that was playing Yakuza when it first came out on PS2, and I was trying to get everybody in the world to play it, and when everybody thought it was this weird niche game and nobody knew what to do with it, and we were repping it at Game Critics like from day one, I'm proud to say. Uh, we have some of the biggest Yakuza fans on the internet at our site, uh, so just full disclosure, that's where I'm coming from. Uh, so this is basically the same sort of thing. You play a guy in an open world, behind the back, third person perspective, and you are a disgraced Yakuza dude who went to prison for 18 years. You get released and you want to like get your life back in order. Um, there's a lot of, lot of story to this. This is a major story game. I'm not going to spoil anything more than that. And that's the basic info you get from this, the trailer. So there's no spoilers there. Um, but the biggest change to this game is they've that Yakuza, I think the first six games were all based on real-time brawling. So you had a character, you had, you know, combat, uh, combos, special moves, like, you know, skill-based combat, a little bit of leveling up, but mostly it was about, like, you know, being, being smart with your fists. This game switches all that up. It goes to a turn-based system, which... I got to be honest, I wasn't sure I was even going to play this because I'm like, I've played a lot of Yakuza games. I think I'm probably good on them. I love them, but I think I'm good. And when they're like, yeah, but it's turn-based, bitch. And I'm like, what? Turn-based? Oh, my God. Like, this sounds amazing. Oh I need God. to check it out. Oh, my God. Turn-based. Uh, and it is amazing. It is amazing for a couple reasons. Number one, I never thought that this game could be a turn-based game. And it totally works. And, in fact, I think I even like it better than the original. Uh, and number two... The original protagonist of Yakuza, uh, uh, Kiryu, Kiryu uh, Kazuma, I thought he was great, wonderful character, one of my favorite characters of all time, iconic character, and I'm like, there's no way, there's no way you can have a Yakuza game without Kiryu, that just can't be done. Okay, I guess I'm wrong again, second time in a row, because the new main character, his name is Ichiban, he's amazing, I love him so much, he's like so great, and I'm like, this guy is great. I love hanging with this guy. I love his crew. I love his friends. I love this game. I love this story. I love this gameplay. This whole thing is fucking awesome. I love this game. So I, you know, I think the turn-based system is great because it's simple. It's pretty fast, but there's also a little bit of depth because there's a little bit involved with positioning on the battlefield, which I think is pretty interesting. Um, I think the story is great because it totally is very relevant to people today. Like your main character is coming up. He's broke. He's homeless. He's trying to get a job. He's struggling to make his way in the world. I think a lot of people can relate to that right now. A lot of the people he's talking to are people on the edges of society. Like he's not friends with rich people. He's friends with like this homeless guy. And he's friends with like this ex-cop who just got laid off and he's got no job now. And like these guys are all kind of coming together trying to make their way. Uh, there's more people in the party. I'm not going to spoil that. But I, it just, it feels very real. Like it feels very like of our time where these guys are just like not handed anything. And they have all these hard knocks and they're just trying to come up and do the best they can. Um, in addition to that, this is also a really funny game. Like there is so much humor, so many laugh out loud moments, 
some of the quests are just fucking so whacked out and off the wall and crazy and yet they never lose sight of like the humanity that i feel like really ties this whole thing together i mean i i did this one quest i'm not gonna spoil it but i was in a very uncomfortable situation i didn't want anybody in my house to look at my screen because this was a very weird thing that was on my screen and at the same time in spite of the weirdness of what i was seeing they were giving really really good relationship advice and advice that i think is really valid in any good relationship and i'm like yeah i've done that thing with my wife and i think that's a good it helped us become stronger and i think it helps uh, increase our marital you know cohesion and this is great advice anybody playing this game should listen to this advice you know i'm not going to say who's giving me the advice but I, it's just a really weird mix of like crazy and serious and funny and fighting and it's also about like heartfelt story and friendship and just like everything about this game is just like fucking awesome and on point and just really really good i love i love yagas like a dragon i think it is great and i think that maybe it's my favorite which sounds like sacrilege after playing all the other yakuza games but i think it's maybe my favorite well i'm so excited to hear that and also just the idea of a turn-based uh yakuza is exciting and i heard there's like a lot of in jokes about rpgs in this Right. Oh my God, dude! The main see that is the thing, right? The main character of this game, Ichiban, he grew up playing Dragon Quest. He says it. He's like, I love Dragon Quest, real game. Every and everybody in the game is like, Oh yeah, we know Dragon Quest. Everybody in Japan plays it. They talk about it all the fucking time, and that is what he bases his like life philosophy on. He wants to be the hero of a Dragon Quest game, and yeah. so he interprets the world in Dragon Quest terms, like in the turn-based combat. It's fucking amazing dude that's the part that i saw in previews that was really exciting so it's really cool to hear that it's a turn-based game it matches that mentality you know so super cool i'm gonna try it i'm gonna try it ah it's so good it is so funny it is so good i just i love everything about it like the the yakuza team i mean they just keep outdoing themselves time and time again i i've loved every game they put out and every time i play one i'm like they can't get any better. There's nowhere else to go for this. We've got to be done now. And then they put in the next one out. And I'm like, fuck, it's even better than the last one. What the fuck is going on? These guys are like dark wizards. It's awesome. it's it's phenomenal. All right. Strong uh, yes for that, which is a good way to end the pod because you're a po- it's a positive. It's a positive poly. Super strong positive. They do positive not. Positive poly? Yes. Uh, I don't know about that. But uh... yeah. <laughs> Strongest possible recommendation. I love Yagas of Like a Dragon. So that is the end of the game section but before we go carlos before we go uh we were we were contacted by our good friend jeroon um long-time listeners of this podcast will know jeroon is one of our hardcore listeners we haven't heard from him in quite a while um i think he's been going through some life stuff he's got a good relationship i think he's got you know he bought a house he's got a job and stuff jeroon apparently is doing pretty well and we're very happy for him but we haven't heard from him in a while and i was wondering what happened to him but he finally got back in touch and then he blew up my inbox with a bunch of questions for the show. And I promised him that we would get these on the show this episode. So we're going to do this Q&A from Superfan Jeroon right now. Are you prepared, sir? Yes, let's do it. All right. Uh, and just fair warning, a lot of these are focused squarely on you because you are probably the guy he's listened to less than Corey. So he's very curious about you. Ready? Oh, okay. Number one, does Carlos have a girlfriend? I do not. All right. So... Mystery solved. Mystery solved. Uh, next one. How happy are you two that Trump will be leaving the White House? Uh, more than words can say. That was literally what I was going to say, too. There's no oh. nothing in the English language that encompasses how happy I am. Yep. Did you miss me, Jeroen says. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I wondered where you went. I was curious. I was 
I was curious about your health and about your status, Jeroen. Yes. Uh, okay. Do you think the PS5 is too expensive? Should I wait for the Slim Edition? I wouldn't. I would say once you can get the digital version, buy that one. Because what is it? Four hundred or three hundred? Four. Is it four ninety nine and five ninety nine for the one that has the disc drive? Right. I think. Or is it three? Is it? Uh, I we think should look this up. Yeah, you should look it up. I mean, I haven't bought one yet. You're the one that bought one. How much was yours? I don't remember anymore. Oh, what is time man. and money? No, no, no. I think mine was five hundred. So I think the other one is four hundred. Um, so. I don't know. I would say that the Slim's going to take a while. And I really think that the console is a step up. Uh, we talked about this before, and, and I have this, you know, the sneaking suspicion that the Series X isn't as much of a departure. And it's really fun because we love video games, and I like seeing new things in games and on new things on my console. And there's all sorts of new types of, uh, you know, doohickeys and ways to share content and... Um, and cards and you know all these different stuff on it so i really dig it i think it's worth the money if you can find one i would get the digital version as my answer and i think the slim will take a long time to come out one little caveat here he says also uh if i have a huge ps4 backlog should i still wait for the slim edition what about that Wait, if he has a huge PS4 backlog, should he wait for the Slim? So, like, if he's got enough PS4 games to keep him to keep him busy for like a year or whatever. Oh, I see. Yeah, should I guess he wait? So. It's just it's just we don't know when that is. Like, do we have any idea when did the Slim come out for the regular PS4? I have no idea. I mean, I'm, I mean, we're talking minimum one year, maybe two years. Who knows? Year and a half. I mean, there's literally nothing on the horizon about it right now. But I, I guess that's it. I mean, there's you know we do a podcast, so we're gonna have all the new systems, so we can review games for you all. But you, you definitely could play PS4 games all year, you know, all, all next year, no problem, because there's yeah. enough, and you've got a back catalog. So if you want to do that and see if a Slim comes out at the beginning of next year, go for it, because there's tons of PS4 games. Uh, I'm not telling you you need one, but it, it's just it's really fun, and if you can get a the cheap version on a sale later or not, you know, when it comes to, like, the end of middle, middle of the end of next year and they're, like, more available, then, you know, think about it. There you go. There you go. Uh, next question. I think it's probably to both of us here. Do you still not like Assassin's Creed? I've heard Odyssey and Black Flag are pretty cool. Carlos? Well, that's, I mean, I, I've never said that because I, I don't think I like the original Assassin's Creeds. I liked once it went to Origins. Uh, and I will, I'm not going to say RPG because I feel like people overuse that. It's really kind of bullshit. But it, it's, it's a new kind of adventure game that has RPG elements. Uh, it's not a traditional RPG because you're still playing a character and the story is kind of already told for you, right? Um, not to go on a tangent, but role-playing game means you're role-playing a character you want to play and lots of times you have a character creator. So, anywho, long way of saying, I love Origins, Odyssey, and Valhalla. So, that's when I started liking them, when they went through this different route of the games. What about you? Um, well, I have not generally liked Assassin's Creed. I played the first... I want to say four or five or whatever. And I've played some of the offshoots. I mean, I've, I've definitely put my time in with the series and I just got really tired of them. Um, but with that said, I was kind of excited to get into Odyssey uh, because of the Greek theming. So I, I bought it. Um, haven't played it yet. Uh, I'm going to play Valhalla. I have not started that. Um, and, you know, like I mentioned earlier in the show, not particularly an Assassin's Creed game, but along the same lines, um, you know, Immortal, I think is probably another yeah. open world game from Ubisoft. Probably a lot of shared DNA there. Uh, which I'm excited about. So 
Uh, I I don't know that I still dislike Assassin's Creed, uh, but I I'm still thinking about playing them. But I'll have to get back to you once I try Valhalla or Odyssey. No I'll, no definite answer right now. I'll give a better answer. I think I am still tired of the Assassin's Creed <clears throat> storyline. Maybe that's what you said back in the day, like this future, like with the real life, the Desmond yeah, stuff, the and all animus that. stuff. I'm yeah. done with that. Like yeah, agreed. agreed. Valhalla, I left the animus once. You know, and I'm just like playing this character in a Witcher kind of game. You know, it's it's very similar to a Witcher game. So that's what I like about it. But yes, I am tired of the Assassin's Creed. I think Ubisoft should, like they did with Immortals, um, which is so similar to Valhalla. When you play both of them, you'll see when their their game mechanics and stuff. Um, just make a straight up new game like Immortals, you know? Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I think they should just ditch that stuff. I, I'm not a fan of that stuff either. All right. Next question. <clears throat> Excuse me. Are you looking forward to the Game of the Year show? Because I am. Our Game of the Year show? I assume so. Wait. I Of course I am. but I, I am too. <laughs> I guess I forgot about it. <laughs> it's coming up very soon. Holy Matter shit. of weeks, actually. Boy, I, you know, I guess I'm glad that he said this because I guess it reminded us that we actually yeah. have to start getting ready for a Game of the Year show. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I guess the answer is yes slash holy shit, we had to do stuff. Same answer. Same answer. All right. This one is for me. Uh, how is the tiny house plan coming along? Is it still a viable option? I don't know that we've talked about it uh, after you joined the show, Carlos, but for a long time, I uh, we were actually on track to buy a tiny house. Um, and we were very excited about that. We made, you know, a lot of research. We looked into uh, blueprints. We started um, getting re- like really into it, watching all the shows, like doing a lot of research online because that's how we felt like we were going to go. Um, but the problem with a tiny house is that it is really hard to find any place to put a tiny house. Um, mm. There are not many places. There are not many communities that are established. Uh, a lot of cities uh, have ordinances against tiny houses, which I didn't really realize until I started looking into it. And the thing that I discovered, like a lot of these shows, when they show these really cool tiny houses, the thing that they don't tell you is like 99% of the time that tiny house that they are showing is parked on like their uncle's backyard or their friend's driveway, or they have some kind of like somebody who actually owns land and then they park it on there. So if you're not a landowner, you don't really have a lot of options as to where to put a tiny house. We, we hit that problem. And our original plan was to buy a house with a, with land on it. And then we were going to rent the house out and live in the tiny house. But then once we bought the land and moved into the house, we were like, well, fuck, we're in a house. So I guess whatever, <laughs> we're already here. Um, we may do that in the future. I think we're still talking about putting a tiny house on the property at some point in the future. Uh, maybe for our son when he gets old enough or maybe as a renter, you know, some passive income. If, uh, if we are fortunate enough to do that, if we survive this Trump economy, if we survive coronavirus, we'll see. Um, but as, as of right now, all that stuff is on hold because it was so difficult to get any headway made because, um, the statutes and laws of Washington and of many States nearby were against tiny homes. So that's what happened there. Yeah. I was actually researching myself and and had that same issue where I was like, where, where do you put this thing? (laughs) Nowhere. Apparently there's nowhere to fucking put them. So that's what happened. Uh, next question. I have a question about this question. Maybe you know more than I do, Carlos. He says, when is the next So Video Games Fan Day? And I'm not sure that we've ever had a fan day. What would that consist of? I don't know. I guess, Jeroen, write us back and tell us what would you like from a So Video Games Fan Day. I'm not opposed to it. I'm just not sure what it would be. Well, once uh, this stupid virus <clears throat> is settled down, we could actually go meet people, and that would be very fun. Oh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe like some point in the future when 
we, there's vaccines or there's some kind of precaution against getting killed from a crowd and you could go into a crowd again without fearing for your life. Maybe we could do like a PAX meetup or something or something like that, perhaps. If that's what you mean. If you mean something different, let us know. I'd be very happy to answer that question. I just wasn't sure what you meant. Yeah, we could also do a Google Hangout or Zoom thing like before that where we're just on. And actually, we should do <clears> that where everybody could just join us like, you know, with their with their webcam. Maybe we could do like one of those things where we could record the show and then people could be watching us on Zoom. Maybe we could take questions from the panel or something. Or we could do it live, Brad. Yeah, that's what I mean. We could do it live. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe we could do that. We've done that before. Uh, I did it on your okay. show. I didn't, we didn't do it on our show. We did it on your show. No, we had video, so, uh, video Game Break we did it, didn't we? Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. Uh, next question. Do you still make enough money job-wise or did coronavirus hurt your income and job? Carlos, you answer first, then I'll answer. Yeah, I mean, I'm in between jobs, so anyhow, I'm I'm kind of hurting. Um, so yeah, I'm not doing the best. I'm freelancing a little bit and leaving off some savings. So I'm not in the best position, but at the same time, I'm not in the worst. There's people that are worse off than I am, so I have a little bit of runway. But yeah, I, it it wasn't really coronavirus related. I was just switching jobs anyhow, and so now I'm like seeing what's my next thing. Which, by the way, temporarily, it's creating a ton of content. Uh, like for YouTube and stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. The answer is, did I answer that? I think you answered that. Okay. Uh, I think so. As for me, um, my wife was lucky enough to have a job that she was able to do remotely. So she, I mean, this had nothing to do with coronavirus, but I actually became a stay-at-home dad, um, and my wife took a job because she had a good opportunity. And so she took that job. It was one that, that did Zoom very well, and she's able to get on a laptop. So that aspect didn't hurt her, but her business did have a really huge impact on their income. Um, she was doing uh, really great in her department. And then after coronavirus hit, it really uh, demand for what she does went down by quite a lot. There was a lot of difficulty in getting the job done because of coronavirus concerns. So her company, uh, yeah, huge impact on her company. But thankfully, you know, knock on wood so far, her job is still safe. Um, if she did not have that job, we would have been fucked six ways from Sunday because my job... Um, the one that actually pays me, not that this podcast or game critics, the one that I get paid for is all about doing in-person work. And that just died immediately. So it was like, we dodged a bullet hardcore by me becoming a stay at home dad right before coronavirus hit. Uh, that was the luckiest thing that could have happened to us. And I'm really grateful, uh, because we would have been in real trouble. Um, so as far as I, I'm, I'm still doing gigs here and there, I'm still doing little, little bits and bobs, but nowhere near what I was doing before. And luckily, my wife's income is enough to uh, support us for the moment. We're not putting a lot in savings and our budget is pretty tight, but we are still surviving, which I know is, is a lot better than some people are doing right now. So I feel very fortunate. But yes, coronavirus has had a pretty big impact on our lives financially. By the way, just for a quick tangent, you yeah. said six ways from Sunday. Earlier, yeah. I said long in the tooth. Six ways from Sunday, it gets its origins in the middle 18th century. Does it really? Uh, yeah, from phrases both ways from Sunday and two ways from Sunday. And one of them has to do with an eye condition known as strambesis. <laughs> when someone's eye doesn't focus in unison, giving the appearance of looking in two different directions. Both of those sayings are sad. I other, had no idea that's where the origin came from. The other one was a, a, a horse tooth and he had gum disease. And uh, this is people who have eye problems. But we should think before we say these weird things. Uh, the, you know, the, uh, that's a, that's an interesting discussion we should have on a different <laughs> podcast because 
I think this a saying's modern meaning very often can be separated from its origins, and there, there's okay. a whole lot of people who disagree. I mean, uh, there's there's two sides of that argument, so we'll see. There, is there six ways from Sunday? There's six ways from Sunday on that argument, yeah. But you gotta have an eye condition before you can really discuss it. Um, <laughs> and gum and gum and gum problems. Gum problems too. Next question: uh, Do you miss Corey being on the show? Is he really never coming back? So I'll answer this one. Uh, do I miss Corey? Sure, I love Corey. Corey's a great guy. We're super good friends. We spent like two years recording a show and even before that at game critics when he was writing for me and now um you know like we we talked all the time and it's weird to have him like not really be a part of the show but life goes on you know i do i miss him absolutely but i love the show that we're doing now i mean carlos is a great guy i'm thrilled to be working with carlos again you know i really enjoyed doing his podcast when i was a guest on his and to have him join me on my show is awesome um is he is cory never really really never coming back i mean he's been back like a couple times for guest spots, but I don't think he's coming back permanently. I think he's moved on to a new phase of life. I wish him the best of luck. Congratulations. We still talk once in a while. We're still friends, uh, but I think he's just doing other things, and I just uh, I don't think he's coming back. We we are we are in the Carlos era now. Oh, I also miss Corey. So how about that? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and he, yeah, he guest stars. He'll be back on the show, I'm sure. Oh yeah, every you know I don't know every six months or something he'll pop up and when a game strikes his fancy or something, and we're all still friends. He's welcome back anytime. So. Uh, next question. A little bit of a setup here. Next uh, question. Are, yes. Is this no, I, an hour of questions? I, I told you, man. I told you. Here's uh, circling back to Assassin's Creed. A lot of Assassin's Creed angst on this show. He says, I bought the Ezio collection of Assassin's Creed, the Arkham Bundle, the Batman game, uh, and the Bioshock collection. So he's got a whole shitload of games there. He said, the problem is I forgot that I fucking hate open world games and fetch quests. <laughs> uh, he's like, since I bought them, I feel like I have to play them. I started up Assassin's Creed do Assassin's Creed 2 and dude I fucking hate 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 it. Should I take a loss and delete these games or should I persevere because at least the BioShock and Batman bundles are still fun to play? Uh, what do you and Carlos think? Please tell me. Also, Assassin's Creed makes me want to kill myself, but help me get over <laughs> my wasted money. Which of any of these should I play? I have a very easy answer for me. Go for it. It's like crystal clear. Um I, I, you know we both buy games and then we don't play them or have to totally them. So that guilty. just happens. Guilty. So the only one that really matters what you just said is the Bioshock collection. The Bioshock collection is great. I don't know if you ever played the first one, but the first one's the best in my opinion. Um, the infinite is really fun too, which is the third one and two is a little different. I don't like it as much, but either way, they're not open worlds at all. They are a, <laughs> well, they're like an alien isolation. No, game I'm not. I'm not a, laughing at that. I'm just laughing oh. at the games you pick because my answer is like the total opposite. Total opposite. <laughs> well, here's the reason why. Let me finish why is because he just said he was like tired of open world fetch quests. Yeah, like, exactly, exactly. All, all it is, it's more like a horror, like first person horror game, really, with some fighting in it. Like it's a first person shooter, and there's kind of a horror elements. There's like scary scenes that happen and dark rooms full of monsters and weird things. And then there's some political type stuff and some you know, interesting uh, commentary that happens in later in the, in the games, like an in infinite um, really interesting stuff. They say an in infinite and some cool eighties music, by the way, spoiler. spoiler. So yeah, I, I think that that's the one I would pick because it's not an open world fetch quest based on what he was saying. It's just a fun, weird first person, like action game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as for me, I, if so knowing that you bought those three bundles i would say play the first batman uh, arkham asylum i think that one is a classic and it's not really open world it's 
it's you know it's there's locations to go to but I, I wouldn't say it's an open world the way that the other games are it's more of like uh location based and then you can switch between locations uh it's very very focused and it's uh it's it's a tight experience i played it uh, i replayed it not too long ago which is rare for me because i don't replay games too often and i felt like it really held up so i would say i would play batman arkham asylum the first one i would play bioshock 2 I think for me that's the best what? one. What? I You're like BioShock crazy. Too. No, you are the crazy one. But Different I'll, developer too, right? It was not. Yeah, I think oh. so. Yes, I like BioShock Two because I think the gameplay is tighter, and I think also it has the best DLC. Minerva's Den is pretty amazing. I love Minerva's Den. I, um, do I think like that's that. possibly you didn't play it. No, I do like that. I said. Oh yeah, Minerva's Den is great. I think that's possibly the best chunk of Bioshock content. Um, so I would just, just do that one. I think that's all you really need. I know everybody gets all up in arms about the story in the first one. I don't think it's really a great story. I think it's just a great surprise. And that's to me is different things like that twist. Yes. Great. One of the greatest twists in all video game history, but the story I think is a lot of like a bunch of horse shit that like is hard to care about. Um, and Bioshock three, I just was really not on board with. Um, so I say Bioshock two. And as far as the Ezio stuff goes, just fucking delete it and move on. Like those are, if you're going to play an Assassin's Creed, I would say go for one of the newer ones. Do not play that one. Cause you know, it's got the, the alien stuff. It's got the animus stuff. I mean, they're all pretty much the same game. If you're not wanting open world stuff, I don't think any of that stuff's going to light you on fire. So maybe skip that one, play those two games and just delete the rest and move on. And it's okay. Cause like Carlos said, everybody in our situation buys a bunch of games. You just, you can't play them all. You got to just pick and choose. So don't play something you don't like. I agree. I'm going to do a modified answer, which is, I agree with you. Play Batman Arkham or Batman Arkham Asylum, right? First one? Yes, 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 yes. I agree. And it also is not as open world as you think because it's exactly. like mission and mission and mission. Yes. And then I would suggest you play Bioshock 1 and 2. You can, you can skip Infinite, but 1 and 2, I think both, because 1 has a story that leads into 2. And even if you don't like love the story, it's the, the first experience the guy gets to the island I think it's good to do it in succession. That's just my two cents. That's a that's a fair perspective. Fair perspective. Okay, so there's that, and there's la- one last question. One more good question. Lord. One more question. This will be a quick one. He says, "I'm looking for a new 65 inch TV." So clearly, Jeroen's doing pretty well. Uh, he says, "I know OLED is the best screen quality, but I'm worried about burn-in and longevity. Therefore, my question is, uh, and I want both of your opinions here." If you were going to buy a new TV, and if budget was not a concern, would you buy an OLED or a QLED or an LCD? Carlos, your your perspective. Well, I just bought an QLED Samsung, and I think it's good, but it has issues. And once you buy it, you know, it's frustrating because you're like, am I going to return this thing? You know, there's a whole process of returning it, especially now with coronavirus. It's like fucking annoying. And it's well enough, but it has weird issues that I think... Uh, an OLED wouldn't have. What are the where, issues? I have no idea. What are you? What's well, so- it's just really interesting because some of LEDs, because essentially it's still just an LED TV. Right. It's not OLED is actually different. Like it's all the different bulbs, a million different little bulbs, right? And in in a regular LED, there's like a light at the bottom of the TV, and it lights up all the LEDs. It's just one light at the very bottom. But what I have is the QLED, which you have patches of LEDs that are lit up all around the screen. So it's not the full OLED. It's not the regular, just one light. It's like a bunch of lights and a different cube bit, which basically means like the darkest can be darker and the brights can be brighter in all the different places on the TV because essentially it's backlit. 
and OLED is like fully backlit. QLED is like mostly backlit. And then LED is like kind of shitty now because like, you think you're seeing a good picture, but you're not. So I think if you're doing the best, it's OLED. If I, when I buy another TV, cause I will, uh, sad as that is, but probably next year or then a year after, you know, um, I would tell him to go with the LG OLED. Um, that's probably the best. And if you can pull it off, if not, the QLED is very good and I have it. I bought it for the PS5 and it has HDMI 2.1. So I feel the refresh rate is great and I like it. I just feel like I'd want to go to that next level too, you know, next time. Excellent. That is a good answer. As far as yeah. my answer goes, uh, I have no fucking idea. I have no clue. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I am not a, I'm not a tech guy. I don't have any information about TVs. Uh, I am more about emotion, experience, uh, you know, writing. Feeling. Feeling. That's, that's my basket. Uh, I have never been a tech guy. I do not come to me for tech advice. Do not let my glasses fool you. I am not a tech guy. I have literally no advice, so I say go with what Carlos said. That's what I say. Yeah, anybody on the podcast can come to me for tech advice. I'm like a techie nerd, so do it. There you go. All right, that was the last question. Thank you, Jeroen, for sending in all those questions. Also, happy to know that you're still out there alive and kicking. Always uh, glad to hear from you. And for anybody else listening, if you would like us to answer your battery of questions, we are more than happy to do so. Just hit us up. Um, You know, as we say every week, hit us up. So video games podcast at gmail.com. And this is the end of the show, so I guess we're going to wrap up. Uh, send us your questions comments thanks for listening to this episode uh i guess we can do the usual closing hit us up on twitter at so video games you can also hit us up individually carlos where can people find you this week hey i mentioned at the top of the show but youtube.com slash a lot of things go there and subscribe and do that thing where i you know i'm a youtuber and i'm like what's up hey hit smash that subscribe button youtube.com slash a lot of things but i am putting up a um video about assassin's creed that i think you might like so check that out uh, also, I restarted my podcast, so just a lot of things podcast. Just Google it. And, Excellent. Uh, come listen to me talk about other stuff. Sounds good. As for me, same as usual on Twitter and Instagram. My name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's, no O's. And that is going to do it for episode 209. Once again, thank you for joining us here at So Video Games. And we will be back before you know it. And I believe that next week's show is going to be our look at some of the best stories in video games of all time. So look forward to that episode. It's going to be a doozy. But for now, uh, this is Bye From Brad. Six Ways From Sunday. Carlos (laughs) Rodella.